Welcome to the podcast for Centerpoint Church. Located in the heart of Concord, New Hampshire, Centerpoint is all about living and sharing a life-changing relationship with Jesus. The message today is a part of that journey, and we are glad to have you join us. All right. Well, good morning. Uh, It's possible that maybe you're here and you've got some little, some preschoolers, and you're not sure where that goes. Number one, you're welcome to keep your kids in here. It's totally cool. We love kids. We love being family together. Uh, But if you'd like them to be in a different room other than you, uh, you know, we do have great folks over here in, uh, call it downtown, our nursery, our preschool area. They would love to hang out with your kids for a bit. So let us serve you that way if that feels right for you this morning. Again, if not, we love having your kids in here. So we are family. And so we even mean know that that means some noise and that means some movement. That's, we love that stuff. All right. We love being here together. A couple things I also want to mention coming up. Uh, there's a couple things you want to keep on your radar. Easter. You realize it's almost Easter. Hello. Next week is Palm Sunday, and that kicks off Holy Week. Holy Week is that week that, that Jesus comes into Jerusalem, sets his face with intention on what he came here to do, uh, to make a way for you and I, for those who would believe, to have life everlasting. It's incredible. And so we are going to begin our celebration next week with Palm Sunday coming up. Uh, following that, uh, Good Friday, which is Friday the 7th, uh, Friday, April 7th at 6.30 right here in this room. We're going to take some time to pause, to honor uh, the sacrifice of Jesus and as we remember his death on the cross. And then, of course, we gather together on Easter Sunday morning. Easter morning celebration of the resurrection. We'll do that during our regular times, uh, 9 and 10.30. Would love to have you be a part of that. Uh, Maybe you generally are with us online. That would be a wonderful week for you to join us. If you feel comfortable doing that, we would love to have you, whether you're a longtime center pointer and just kind of refining your way in, or whether you're online and you're just checking things out and you're not sure what it means to be a center pointer. Come join us for this celebration of the resurrection. All right, so that's coming up real quick here. The following week after that, on Saturday, April 15th, is going to be a membership orientation. So maybe you've been here, you've been kicking the tires a little bit, and you've got questions about what does it mean to be an actual member of Centerpoint Church. Uh, The elders, uh, I'm one of the elders, we would love to share with you uh, what that looks like and answer your questions and begin to get to know you a little bit. So that uh, very relational uh, pretty low key. You're not like coming to the orientation is not your commitment to membership. It's just an opportunity to explore what that looks like. And so if you're interested in doing that, that is going to be right here at Centerpoint. Uh, not necessarily in this room, but we're going to be over in the commons at 630 on Saturday the 15th. And we'd love to have you join us for that. All right. So if you've got questions, let us know. Let me pray for us as we get ready to dive into our message. Father, we are here today uh, to worship and honor you. And it's been great to be able to do that as we have lifted our voice in song and in prayer and reading scripture. God, these are all ways that we proclaim your goodness. And in doing so, we remind ourselves, we remind each other who you are. And you are worthy of worship. You are holy and righteous. You are everlasting love. You are compassionate and kind. And your mercies are new every morning. We worship you and we praise you. 
We continue to worship you as we study your word together. We pray, God, that, the, that your spirit, the same spirit that inspired these words, would, would inspire us, would, would help these words come alive to us, so that you would ignite our imagination for what it is to walk with you in this new life that you give us. We offer you ourselves. We ask that by your spirit you would give us eyes to see, that you would give us ears to hear, and hearts that are receptive to you today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. We are uh, coming to the close of a series we've been in for a number of weeks called Belong. And, and, and this is a, a series, a message series, where we've been exploring not just how we belong to God. You know, a lot of times when we think about our, our faith and following Jesus, we, we understand that we belong to him. Uh, we come to him on his terms, not on our terms, right? Uh, but we also, Scripture teaches, we, we belong to each other. And in a day when, when so much has been kind of turned upside down. So many of the, the, the chips on the table have been flipped all over the place. We're reorienting ourselves and reminding ourselves, what does it mean to be us? What does it mean to be uh, a local church here together? And, and what does that look like? And how do we live together? We, and, and Scripture teaches us we are not... Um, kind of a conglomeration of individuals, uh, a bunch of little cells bouncing around with each other, right? Like electrons and atoms. We, we are one. We are unified. There is something that God is shaping here. We are a new kind of community. There is something that is unique and distinct that God does in his local church that is unlike anything that happens in any other group of people. And so we've been exploring that and, and, and anchoring ourselves and understanding what does it belong, what does it mean to belong to each other? And we explored that in a wide variety of different ways. And so as we draw this series to a close here, we're going to read from just the first couple of verses of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to look at just verses 1 and 2. And this provides such a wonderful summary of, of all of these things. Uh, the Apostle Paul, who wrote Ephesians as a letter, he wrote it as a letter, and, and he wrote these wonderful theological pieces, and he began then to, to share with us what does it look like to live out this kind of a theology, who we are in Christ, and what does it look like to belong to each other, even in the midst of conflict, or in the face of offense, what does that look like? And now he's, he's summarizing this in these first couple of verses. He's summarizing what this looks like. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, just verses 1 and 2. Paul writes this. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Just those two verses there. There's such richness packed into just a couple of these verses. And what we see here and what we proclaim today is that God's transforming love, get this, get this, God's transforming love is the foundation of our love for each other. And to walk in his love is to be formed by his love. To walk by his love is to be formed by his love and also to serve as a witness to the world about who he is. 
See, as a church, there is something that God is doing here. And he has given us a community in which we are formed in his love. We are formed in his love as we learn to love one another. It's an expression of love between us. It's also the way that he forms his love in us. And as we are a community identified by his love, we are witness to the world about who God is. Like, who are we to proclaim God is love if, if we are not examples of God's love? Who are we to proclaim God's forgiveness if we are not examples of God's forgiveness? Who are we to proclaim God's um, righteousness if we are not righteous among us, if we are not uh, merciful among us? And so how we live together shapes us, it forms us, it also bears witness to him to a watching world. And the foundation of all of this is love, is God's transforming love. Now, when we say love is at the foundation, we can respond to that in a variety of ways. And for, for a lot of us, the world around us is trying to define love for us. And so sometimes it feels a little bit confusing what do we mean when we talk about love and God's love and loving each other? There's part of us like, yes, 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 it's just all about love and there's resonance with that. But even in our resonance, sometimes we misunderstand what love is and what love looks like. So we've heard people talk about all you need is love. You see the bumper stickers, just love each other and all this kind of stuff out there. And so when we hear that the foundation of who we are as a people is God's transformational love, sometimes we go, oh, there's so much more than that, right? We, we, because we don't understand what love is. Sometimes we perceive love to be the embodiment of tolerance and affirmation, and, and so we begin to understand, and we've been told that, that love means that it's just high fives and hugs for everybody around, no matter what's going on, no matter what they do, no matter how they live, no matter how they interact with us. Love just means tolerance and affirmation. Some of us, we've been shaped by a romantic love, and we say love, we've hypersexualized love. And so it takes on the, the, the sensuality of the world in which we live. For some of us, it's a love that uh, doesn't seem to do much at all. It's a love that belongs in Hallmark cards and, 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 and puppy dog memes. It's just something to make you smile once in a while, maybe on special days. And so we haven't understood, for many of us, we don't understand love. For the love that God talks about is a far cry from wispy, wish-washy. For the love of God is powerful. And what scripture reveals to us is actually God's transformational love that is the most powerful force in the universe to bring about the greatest good in the universe which scripture describes as the kingdom of God, the place where God rules and reigns and brings his loving transformation, where heaven touches earth and the two become one. This is the space where God's love animates transformation in powerful, powerful ways. 
And there is no other force in all of the world that does this same work. And so when the Apostle Paul talks about these things, he makes sure that we understand that when we say love, it is God himself who defines love. It is God himself who has shown us love. Look at the way that he talks about this. Uh, how did God love us? Well, um, one of those is he, he gave us a new identity. Look at, at verse 1. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. Right? Follow God's example, therefore. The, the therefore says, because of all light, in light of all this stuff that we've just been talking about, follow God's example as dearly loved children. See, this is profound when we understand that what God's love do is it's this transformation. That wasn't very good grammar. What God's love does for us, it, it, it transforms us. It transforms us. You see, prior to his love, prior to his love, we were God's enemies. We stood opposed to God. We might have been nice enemies. We might have been smiley enemies. We might have been overt, shake our fist in his face enemies. But the fact of the matter is that we, we come into this world and we live natural lives in this world as enemies of God. God. And there is no way for us to get out of that doghouse. There is no way for us to create transformation in our own self. It is God's love that transforms us, gives us this new identity. For by his spirit, by his mercy, when we respond to him by faith, he gives us a new identity. By his spirit coming alive in us, we now become his beloved children. His beloved children. A discipleship that doesn't hold at its core the transformational love of God that impacts our identity is a discipleship that is either anemic and incapable of bringing about transformation or it will breed in us a pride and arrogance and a legalism. But when we understand our identity and the merciful transformation of God's love, and we receive, we receive his love as his beloved, it does something in us. It transforms us at an identity level. Now, there's so much conversation these days about identity, isn't there? So many questions about identity and how do we form our identity and how we shape our identity. It used to be that families were bedrock places of identity. And we could say things like, well, this is what it means to be a fur. This is what it means to be a baron. This is who we are. This is what it means to be an Anderson. This is what it means to be a Parks. And, and, and there's a, a way that our family passes on. But even in these days, there's so many people who in the midst of the confusion of these days... They'll say things like, we just want our kids to find their own identity. We want our children to find their own identity and find who they are. And we're sending our kids into a world that is a chaotic maelstrom of confusion. But God in his mercy reshapes our identity. Think of all the different ways that we try to shape our own identities. 
We try to shape our identities by what we defend, what we uh, project. We try to shape our identities by the clothes that we wear or the cars that we drive, the places that we live, the schools we attend or don't attend, the jobs that we have or don't have. These are all things that are a part of our story, certainly. But when we make them our identity, when we make them our identity, they're actually slave masters of us. They hold us fast. And they keep us from freedom and thriving. When Jesus says, I came that you might have life and have it to abundance, when we are held fast by these idols... We don't know that freedom. We don't know that flourishing life. And so it's important that we understand that at this bedrock of what God is shaping, he's shaping in us a new identity. He's calling us into new identity. And what is that identity? We are his beloved children. I am his beloved child. I am his beloved child. I want you to say that out loud with me for a moment. Say the words, I am his beloved child. Say it again. I am his beloved child. One more time. I am his beloved child. And when we experience new life in him, this is our new identity. I am his beloved child. There might be all kinds of things that the world around you, that the family of origin that you come from tells you who you are. But he says, you are my beloved child. We wrestle with that, don't we? We want there to be so much more. And yet as we unpack what it means to be his beloved child, we realize, oh, there doesn't have to be more. There's so much richness and goodness in being his beloved. That is a work that his his grace does, his spirit does in calling us his own How did God love us? He gave us a new identity. And how did he do this? Again, look at verse two. Right? Walk in the way of love. We're going to come back to that in a second. Just as Christ loved us, what did he do? He loved us. Christ loved us. And he gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This language of offering and sacrifice has deep roots, particularly in the Jewish tradition. We see this in our Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, and what it means. We can unpack for for days on what it means uh, to bring sacrifice. At its heart, the sacrifice, the the lifeblood of the offering that that was coming to be sacrificed, that blood, the essence of its life, is what made entrance into the very presence of God. It was the blood of the sacrifice that was laid on the altar, on the Holy of Holies, in atonement. 
And it is only the life of a perfect sacrifice that can enter into the very presence of God. And so when Jesus talks about being our our sacrifice, when Jesus is talked about as our sacrifice, it's through his blood, through his sacrifice, that there is entrance into the very presence of God. And see, his sacrifice was voluntary. It was voluntary. There are some pieces that don't look like it was very voluntary, right? We watch the the movies and we see him bound. We see him surrounded by strong soldiers and it doesn't look all that voluntary. But remember, he went there by his own accord. He even said, I don't, my life isn't taken from me. I hand it over willingly. When Peter was going to defend him by the sword, he stopped him. and said, Peter, don't you think that if I called to the Father, he would send legions of angels to rescue me right now? That's not how this happens. His sacrifice is voluntary. He prayed to the point of weeping in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he prayed to the Father, not my will be done, but yours be done. Jesus submitted himself in voluntary sacrifice He chose. See, he would rather die than strike back and defend himself. Jesus' sacrifice was voluntary. His sacrificial death was obedience to the Father. Again, that prayer in the garden, not my will but yours be done. His sacrificial death was on our behalf. It's why the incarnation is such an important doctrine of Christianity where God puts skin on. He he is incarnate. He becomes one of us. In becoming one of us and living a perfect, sinless, obedient life, in becoming one of us, he is one of us, the only one of us who could enter into the Holy of Holies and offer a sacrifice of his life. His sacrifice was not for himself. It was for me. His sacrifice was not for himself, it was for you, that you might enter into the holy of holies, into the very presence of God. His sacrificial death was the fullest extent of his love. Do you want to know if God loves you? You ask the question, God, do you really love me? If you love me, why does it hurt so much? If you love me, why have I experienced this betrayal? If you love me, why have I experienced this disappointment? Does God really love me? All one must do is look at the cross and know the fullest extent of his love. This isn't a puppy dog and butterfly love. This is a powerful love that through his love, through his atoning death, you would know life, that you would be brought from death to life, from enemies to children. His sacrificial death is our freedom from sin. His sacrificial death is our freedom from sin. That through his death, as the scriptures describe, we are forgiven and we are alive. And his sacrificial death was our transformation from enemies to children with all the rights of inheritance that come with being a child of the Most High God. 
The sacrifice of Jesus is enough to transform anyone who will come to him in humble submission. Even you. And you might find yourself saying things like, yeah, but you don't know what I did. You don't know what I was like. I've been trying to button it up here over these last few years, but you don't know what resides way back here. Jesus knows perfectly. He knows perfectly what lies back there. And his loving self-sacrifice as an offering on your behalf is powerful enough for even your forgiveness, for even my forgiveness. Hear this. Do not miss this. His sacrifice is your freedom. And there is no other way. How did God love us? He gave himself as an offering, a sacrifice of love. And he made us his own dearly beloved children. And so then how do we respond to this? Again, he says this here in verse 2. Right? And walk in the way of love. And walk in the way of love. This is what new life in him looks like. At the bedrock of a disciple of Jesus is love. Again, the places where we're resistant to that are the places that we are not understanding what love is and what love does. Walk in the way of love. There's this, um, and he's equating that, like just as Jesus, just as Christ loved us, gave himself up for us, right? So he's drawing us into this, this giving up dynamic of love. To love like Jesus is this giving up, this giving of oneself. And there's interesting wordplay that's going on here. If you go back to um, chapter 4, verse 19, Chapter 4, verse 19, he's talking about all the ways that people have rejected God and have entered into the futility of their thinking. Verse 19 says, Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That whole word there of giving themselves over is the same word that's used here to describe what we do in Christ. So when we are walking in the way of love, we are giving ourselves over. What are we giving ourselves over to? To love. And so we're abandoning the ways of sensuality, the way that makes sense to us, the way that that's just the way the world works. And instead we are giving ourselves up, same word, giving ourselves up to love in the way of Jesus. And so Paul is, again, drawing out that distinction and, and what it looks like to walk in love. So initially giving to self-sensuality, but now giving self in love, in powerful transformational love in the way of Jesus. See, to walk in the way of Jesus is to walk in the way of love. To walk in the way of Jesus is to walk in the way of love. So what does love look like? We've been talking about it. 
these past couple of months. We've been talking about it, some of the ways we've talked about it, some of it here in Ephesians, others back in Romans or in stuff that John taught us. Um, what are some things that we held out here? One of them is, is speaking the truth, right? What does it look like to walk in the way of love? It's to speak the truth. It, it's to bring stuff from darkness into the light. So we don't hide, rather we draw it into the light. We speak the truth. And what do we speak? We speak the truth, anchored in God's truth, right? We tell the truth. We speak the truth. Uh, we, we pursue unity in the bond of peace, not uniformity, but unity, harmony together. We learn to live at peace with each other, not as peacekeepers that just do everything to make everything okay, niceness. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a, a rigorous pursuit of unity, of, of working together, of offering ourselves even sacrificially in the pursuit of that peace. Uh, love gives to those in need. Right? Love gives to those who have needs. We pay attention to the people around us, and love gives. Love serves. Serving the body for the good of the body. We talked about these things. God has given different gifts according to his grace, according to his decision. He has planted his spirit in you, and you have something to offer, the body of Christ, that when you withhold it, the body of Christ misses something. Part of loving each other is serving each other in the body of Christ. That might look like on Sunday morning, you know, we see the kids running out here. We got great servants who are with those kids right now. It might mean um, the teams uh, or the worship or tech teams back there that you don't see that make all this like lights and sound and all that stuff kind of happen. It's the connections team. It's the coffee team. It's the team that serves food a couple times a month in our pantry in partnership with City Hope. It's um, the teams that serve the vulnerable of our community and just creating some space for them to feel human for a little bit and hope overflowing. It's like we, we serve each other. We serve the body for the good of the body. That's what love looks like. We use words that build up, not tear down. We use words that bless, not curse. We're kind and compassionate because God is kind and compassionate. And in the face of offense, we forgive, right? We forgive. Paul, the guy who wrote Ephesians here, he talks about love. A lot of times we'll read this passage at weddings, but I want to read it now. Nobody's getting married here today. But listen to these words. This is not about a white dress and tuxedo form of love. This is powerful, transformational love. This is what Paul is talking about, what it means to be the body of Christ. Here's what love looks like. He says in verse, uh, chapter 13, 1 Corinthians 13, And yet I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. What does love look like? Well, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy does not boast, 
It is not proud. It is not, does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. But love never fails. And stop there. Do you see what love looks like? It's powerful. It's transformational. And even as we read those things, sometimes what we'll do is, is I'll, I'll read that, it'll become sort of a checklist of like, oh, I'm sort of envious. I need to stop being envious. And um, I'm, I was a little boastful, and so I need to stop being boastful, and I'm keeping record of wrongs. Okay, I'm going to keep record of wrongs, but we'll come back to that later. Right? So we'll kind of do this as a checklist. What those things are as we read through a passage like that, and we see, ooh, mate, ooh, oh, right? Because sometimes there's these oof moments, these moments of conviction in, in our lives, like oof. It's not a sign to try harder. It's a sign that there's something plugging the plumbing where God's love doesn't flow freely into us and through us. And so we can begin to examine, and this is, we do this in community, right? Because community forms us in the way of Christ, forms us in his love. We can explore these kinds of things as where are the places that I am not living as his beloved? Because when I am living freely as his beloved, then I am freely living in the love of those around me. And so we begin to examine those places where his love is not flowing freely in our lives. As you examine you, as you allow the Holy Spirit to examine you, are those, there places in your life where his love is not flowing freely? Where are the places that you have been resistant to his love? And sometimes it resides in deeper places than we're immediately aware of. This is why a number of scriptures talk about search me and know me. Search me and know me, God, by your spirit. Show me the places within me that aren't aligned with you. This is a prayer that he invites us to pray. For God's transforming love is the foundation of our love for each other. God's transforming love is the foundation of our love for each other. And to walk in his love is to be formed by his love. Right? We're letting him do his work in us where we are being shaped in the way of love. Walk in the way of love, Paul says. Together here, we are being formed in the way of love. Do you know how you learn to walk in the way of love like forgiveness? It's in the face of offense. Do you know how you learn patience and have patience formed in you? It's to be in community where your impulse is to feel impatient. Do you know how mercy is formed in you? When others have offended you and hurt you and you exercise mercy, compassion, and forgiveness. It's even in the hard stuff, especially in the hard stuff of relationships, See, what's difficult in relationships isn't a bug, it's a feature. And it's a feature while the enemy might use it to tear us apart and to rend us like fabric being torn, God is using it to mend, to shape, to form, to walk in the way of his transforming love is to understand that his transformational love is the foundation of the love that we share together. 
It's the foundation of powerful love that we share together. To walk in this love is to be formed, to be shaped in the way of love. And it doesn't come naturally to us. This is new life in Christ. Christ says, welcome, you are in the family. But we have to learn the new family rules. What is the new family rule? Love. What does it mean to be a people marked by Jesus? It is to be a people grounded in love. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus, to walk in his way? To walk in the way of Jesus is to walk in the way of love. And so we are continually being formed by his love. And as we are formed by his love, we are witness to the world around us. Because we take on the character of our God. We don't become our God. We take on his character. We begin to look like his family. And we show the world what God looks like. And all of this is steeped in God's intentions. Going all the way back to the garden. God intended for humanity to multiply, to cover the earth to rule over the earth. But we don't rule independently of God. To rule the earth is to bring order where there's chaos. To, bring, to, to rule the earth is to uh, nourish a land that it produces fruit. To rule the world is to show the world what God's loving rule looks like. And while sin has corrupted that plan and we have to contend with that in our own lives and in our world, the redemptive, create, recreated commission of Jesus is to join him, to join him in spreading the love of God to all nations that the world may know. Can you begin to see how the stakes for this are really high? How this is not incidental or secondary. This is powerfully transformational for us, for each other, and it is mission that we might show the world who he is, inviting them to join us as brothers and sisters, as beloved sons and daughters of the Most High God. This is who he is, and this is what he has done. And he has done it through his loving self-sacrifice. He has done it through his loving self-sacrifice. What a gift he has given what a gift of his love that he has given. In the next couple of moments, we're going to celebrate communion together. Communion is a tangible reminder. It's a, it's a remembrance of what he has done for us. Inside the cellophane, there's a little piece of bread. It's not freshly baked bread, but it's a little reminder of the bread that he broke and under another layer of cellophane is the juice that reminds us of the blood that he poured out. So I want you to take just a moment and I want you to let him examine your spirit. Say, God, search me. Show me the places where I am not living as your beloved son, as your beloved daughter. Confess that before him. Rest in his love. Even if you're just praying the prayer over and over again, God, thank you that I get to be your beloved son. God, thank you that I get to be your beloved daughter. So take a couple of moments in the quietness
and receive his love for you. Confess your sin before him. Set yourself at peace with those in the body. Maybe there's conversations you're going to have before you even go home today, or maybe it's that person isn't even in, in our world anymore, but you can set your heart at peace through forgiveness. You pray a prayer of forgiveness for them to the Lord as you sit here and consider what he has done for us. Uh, parents, this is a great time for you to talk your kids through this stuff, so feel free to talk out loud with your kids and share with them what you're doing and let them watch, and, and parents, you're in a spot to decide uh, whether they can participate in, in this or not. You know where they are with Jesus. Uh, you don't have to be a member of Centerpoint Church to celebrate communion. The Bible just says you need to be right with God, where you have received his forgiveness through grace, through your trusting faith. And if you have done that, even now, even just now, you're welcome to the table as we remember his good gift. Sit in quietness for a moment, reflect, pray, receive his love, and I'll be back, and then we'll receive communion together. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took the Passover bread that they were, they were there to celebrate the Passover together, and he took the bread and he broke it, and he gave it to them, and he said, this is my body broken for you. See, by his brokenness, we would receive healing what the prophets had said generations before. So he was writing himself into that story. So take it and eat it with thanksgiving, his body broken for you. Then he took the cup and they, as they drank from it, he said, this is my blood poured out for you, the blood of a new covenant, a new way to relate to God, to relate to God in the freedom of his love and grace no longer bound by law, which leads to death. Drawn into new life, life now and life forever. Through his blood, take it, drink deeply of the life that comes to us through his loving self-sacrifice. Let's pray. Jesus, we cannot thank you enough. We absolutely cannot thank you enough but we will not stop trying. Not to earn your love or to pay you back, but God, we are overflowing with gratitude to you, so we thank you, we praise you, we worship you. That through your brokenness, through your death, we would know life as the Father's beloved sons and daughters. Help us to walk in that gift by the power of your Spirit today and tomorrow and beyond that we might know freedom and flourishing by your grace. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Stand with me, if you would. Just a, a reminder, if you're here and you want to, like last minute, join us right at 1030, and you want to be baptized, stop and talk to Dave and Lauren in the foyer on, on the way out there, and we will... Uh, we would love to have you be a part of that. If you want to stick around a little bit and so you can observe uh, the baptism at 1030, feel free to do that. And then when the baptism is done, the music starts, you can head on, head on out or stay with us at the second service. Either way is fine by us, but feel free to let that be a part of your celebration here this morning. May you know his love as you walk with him. And as you are called into this new identity as his beloved son or daughter, Know that you are his. Know that you are his. But this life is available only through Christ. It doesn't come by going to church, by being good, by reading the Bible or giving to the poor. 
It comes when we have received his grace and love as his beloved. If you would like that for yourself today, got some folks up here who would love to pray with you. You just say, I want new life in Jesus and we'll take it from there that you might know this new life that can never be stolen. And as you walk out these doors into a world, know that you are his beloved. Be confident of that. As you have given yourself to him in humility, you are his because he first gave himself to you. Walk in his love and know his peace. Thanks for being here. Take a little bit to stop and reflect on what God might be saying to you and how you'll respond to him today. Wherever you are on your journey of faith, we are here to serve you. Find us at centerpointnh.org and join us on the journey of living and sharing a life-changing relationship with Jesus.